Hi, my name is Cece and I was just on the Just Finesse podcast. We talked about the backstories within the industry, looking at such clients as Roddy Rich, Little Dirk, Pop Smoke, and also looked at opportunities in music and sports. Hey baby, what's good? And what is popping? Um, I don't have the energy to do the what's popping. I mean, I just did it, but you know, um, came in my house, I'm tired as heck. <laughs> um, but we push. If you can hear my voice, you are listening to Jess Finesse Presents, where every week I bring some interesting people, people that I love, that I hope you will love too, to my space and do the sacred act of smoking, Gary. So this week, we're smoking with someone very special. Um, everyone's special, but everyone be special in their own special way. Uh, I forgot. Happy Friday. It's another Friday in this wretched country. <laughs> and this country will continue to be wretched. Until we have a revolution. But y'all don't want to have that conversation because people don't want us to be scared. They don't want us to panic. They're in denial. People should denial, denial, denial. We're in, we're supposed to enter war. Okay. And I don't know if I'm going to pod in the middle of a war because I don't think it's going to be possible. Uh, but anyways, I'm in the building with a beautiful, talented, busy as hell. Um, she took out time out of her busy schedule to pull up here. So please hold your ear like this, hold your ear like that and listen very well. Cynthia, welcome to the pod. Hi, Jess. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am as good as can be living in this Lagos. Thank you for having me. You know why you're shining? Why? Because you don't live here. <laughs> we caught we caught her. Um, what do you leave? This weekend. Okay, she. Okay, so you're li- you people know the drill. You listen to my voice, but you will hear this part in seven days. So by by the time you hear this part, this girl is long gone with her with her passports and her visa and her freshness. Country and over here, we'll be suffering. You know, me and I over here pushing out content. I'm mean, so sure, but I'm going next week. Nah, 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 nah. You ain't got no visa. You ain't got no visa. If you want me to sign for you, Chevy, you need a, a reference, point of reference for yeah. a visa. I got you. Yeah, I think I know you well enough. I appreciate you. I, I, I love you, bro. Um, But yeah, Cynthia, so... This uh, it's funny because I actually just met you. Yeah, and I've said it before. I'd be skeptical of inviting people that I just met because, like, I don't know the flow of the conversation. You know, I don't yeah. know your. I don't. I can't get your personality. I don't know if you're gonna be rude. I don't know if you're gonna be like, you know, talkative. Girl, the the way I met you, <laughs> I said this girl must come to this podcast. <laughs> I don't know who you like that. I don't know your personality. I don't know your upbringing. I don't know none of that. But yeah. you must come to this podcast. So make me proud. That the way I fell in love with you, that my listeners will fall in love with you. Will do. I met her like 30 minutes ago and I'm already starting to... Bruh! (laughs) Can I be your friend? I don't even like fams anymore. I can fams you. Listen. I can fams you. You're on my close friends list. Come on. I think I see the green green star. Yeah, like you on my close friends list and it takes a lot to get there. Come on. I'm talking to Jess, right? Yeah, I'm talking to Jess. I mean, I haven't seen you yet pop up on my IG, so you know... Like, you know, it, it takes a lot to get on my close friends list, but you, you got my heart. The first day I met you, you had my heart because you literally just asked questions that nobody wants Where to ask. Is you? <laughs> Do you know what's ironic? She said that I'd ask questions that nobody would ask, right? What is so funny is last night, yeah. somebody, so like, someone's going in the room like saying like the good qualities about people in the room mm. and it got to me and they're like, you know, just they have a really genuine heart. Um, like, I know that the energy that you always provide is real, but you talk a lot, right? Yeah. And the reason why they said I talk a lot is because everyone knows me for asking mad questions. Before I used to be scared, like, when I first, when I first moved back, 
I'm I'm super inquisitive. Like I'm like, bro, I want to know what everything is. I don't want to, you know, I don't have I don't have any problem learning in public or like looking stupid asking questions. So like everybody that was my brand. Like yeah. like if this girl's in this room, she will ask 100 questions. So the fact that you just said that it's just first of all, I'm maintaining my brand. Yeah. Right? I'm asking questions. Second of all, there are people in this in this world that like it. All right. <laughs> all the people that be like, you two they ask questions. Well, bump you guys. Cynthia has endorsed me. I'm gonna keep asking my damn questions. Trust Thank you. you. Go for Actually, it. Actually, Um, but yeah. So this is what we're gonna do. So every week, mm-hmm. right, I invite people and we smoke Gary. Now, off the pod, before Uncle Kenny came and set up the lights and the cameras. <laughs> I learned that my lovely, beautiful guest, she, I learned something new about Gary, okay? That apparently, apparently I don't knew this too. Nobody, nobody cared to inform me that smoking Gary can trigger a, an uh, appendicitis. Yep. Now the both of y'all, since y'all knew it, can elaborate what that means and how does that come about? Because I, I feel my, my appendicitis is not rupturing right you now. To go, you go. Explain. Because <laughs> mine was just abuse. Okay, so basically... I know that, like, this is our research. Not even research. Like, yeah, I mean, like, a, I think everybody knows, knows like, your, that your appendix. It's an organ that the human body yeah, doesn't actually need. Need. It's just so there it just store, like, just the there storing stones and stuff. Yes, stones and stuff. And that's Gary why it's easy for anyone of, to be like, I'm removing my appendix. Yeah, that's yes. what, yeah, and that's okay. why Angari is full of stones it's and of particles stones. and stuff. So it sits there yeah. and it builds up and builds up and builds up and then it just ruptures and then it starts hurting and you have exactly, to Exactly, exactly. And some people actually, um, they see, that's why some people save their gary first before they drink it. Yeah. To get rid of the particles. The, the particles and the But well, I, I think that's even your gary, they're, they're so taking away the genuine like, yeah, the ritual They take it. away the whole point yeah. of it. I think it's stupid to save your gary. Okay, now. <laughs> did they save this one? If they didn't save you, let's go and change it. Let nobody <laughs> say they got appendicitis because they can't suggest finesse presents. I beg. I didn't no, present no, no, that no, one. No, no, no. Okay, no, now. I don't think Okay, so now you said your reasoning, like you said, um, your lack of drinking Gary or, you know, your experience with Gary is is negative. Yeah. All right. So would you like to elaborate why it's negative? <sighs> so once upon a time when I was like 16 years old, I was this very, very stubborn, bad, street, wannabe gangster child. And my parents just got up one day, booked me a one-way ticket Sent me straight to Cameroon to go to school. No one even told me, actually, that I was going to school there. They just said I was going for holiday. That's how they get them. Exactly. <laughs> that's how they like, get they them. They were like, that's you're going for holiday. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I haven't been for years. So I'm going to see my family. Right. Got there. Okay. It started off as one week and then two weeks. Wait, did you, when they gave you the ticket, you didn't, you didn't get you it was one way? I did, what did I know about tickets? Facts. Facts. Like I was what sixteen years old. Facts. I just thought, okay, you can book a ticket and go and book a yeah, ticket to come yeah, back. So yeah. that's literally how life was, you know. So I got to Cameroon, three weeks, and all of a sudden, my mom and my dad came. Then they had this massive meeting, and then all I hear is, "Oh, you're going to a boarding school." Huh? I'm a one chance. <laughs> <laughs> and then literally, by the time I realized it, I was they were buying me a trunk. They were shaving my hair. Oh no! Yeah, I tr- I'm triggered. I never had like I never had my hair cut before. They were shaving my hair. They were buying my trunk. They were buying me Gary. They were buying me peanuts. They were buying me everything. Sardine. Then take me to the tailor. Sew my uniforms. I was thinking this is going too fast. Life comes at you real fast. 
And the next minute I see... shock you. Yep. My mum and dad goes, I'm sitting in a car, driving from Douala to Boya, which is like an hour and a half away. I go, I see this massive gate of the school and it's a Presbyterian school. PCS says Boya. I was like, all right, this is it. This is where I say goodbye. It just literally took me there. Did you cry? Um, no, because when I first went, everyone used to call me British. So I felt proud. Like, I'm from Britain. Like, what? Come on. Are you okay? Like, <laughs> I, my points went up. My points were up. Everybody wanted to do things for me. Carry my water. Give me food. When I went to the canteen, everyone was just staring at me. And then on top of that, I had tattoos. Like, it was never... Oh, I see. It was never... Oh, you had these tattoos? Yeah, you to I had school? this. I had this one. I had one on my leg as well. So, like, no one had seen it before. So, I was like, everyone was just looking at me differently. Like, oh, my God, this girl, British, British. <laughs> and then on top of that, I used to play football. So, it was like, wow, a girl that can play football and is from a foreign country. Oh, well, you were a celeb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's but then you. things started breaking down slowly. I started losing my status. Uh-huh. The, 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 <laughs> the accent started going down, yeah. right? That illi- the, illi- was the, the excitement just started going down, down, down. And then I think that's when I had to like learn the hard way that, you know, you take exams. And then they put you from first, second, third, fourth. This is just like, I'm relating to everything. And then all of a sudden, I found myself, I was the last in the class. Oh, oh no. Shit. You, wasn't, you wasn't studying with them? Did I know? I didn't know. And the thing is, the education... Well, you didn't know to system, study or you didn't know that we were going to reach you. None of the things made sense. Because the education system that we had in the UK was Very different. so weak. <laughs> no facts. Weak. Same with America. It was so Same. weak. Like... They were learning things that we only get taught maybe like two, three years ahead. Like what? We so you were you came to school and you were behind? Yes, I came and I was behind. Like I was behind. And I was literally trying to catch up. Mm. So the first time they used to call it um, climb the stage. You climb the stage. So I, I got there on the stage first. They were like, shame. Oh, that's when the They were shaming you publicly because yes, yes, you got last place. Yes, that's how the points went down. Then after, came back, went home. That's how my auntie was shouting. Didn't you study? I'm thinking, I came from a different country. None of the things made sense. Went back again the second time, this time around. It was just horrible because being in a boarding school, they don't tell you about initiation. They don't tell you about... Sorry, initiation? Yes. Yeah, it's it's a real thing. (laughs) It's a a real thing. Wait, like, like hazing? Witchcraft. Black magic. Oh, okay. No, sorry, sorry. Like, initiation. I was, not, oh, like, I was not thinking that you, deep. Point. Yeah, oh, you get initiated. Like, kids, girls get initiated. Like, it's was like, it all girls' school? Or no, boys it was a mix. Okay. So, PCS Boya had boys and girls. Mm-hmm. But then we used to come together for like marching, socials. socials, and all of those stuff. But in boarding school, they don't tell you about initiation. It's real. It's actually real because there are other kids that have probably been there and they've died there, or something could have happened to them. People think people used to scream about ghosts in the school. Like I remember hearing about yellow hand when I was in boarding school. Listen, but like, there was a lot of things that they used to say, and I think it just got to a point where I used to go to sleep at night mm-hmm. and then wake up the next morning, and I found it hard to breathe, and I, I'll be like, mm, I'll be like wheezing. Mm-hmm. So then no one knew what it was. They first said it was asthma, and I was like, no, it's not asthma. Then it became a thing where every time I had to write an exam, I was like, <laughs> then they were, they were like, wait, maybe it's because it's too cold. 
because Boya literally sits on the top of a mountain and it's freezing. Mm-hmm. It was not the cold. So every single time I had an exam, I had like a football match, I had something important to do. My you sure chest... it wasn't like an exa- uh, a, a panic attack? No. Because I've never had a panic attack before. Mm-hmm. Never. So then my parents were fed up. They were like, I need to leave. I had to get out. So then they took me out of the school and then they sent me to some far village, which was like... They didn't say, okay, you've had enough. Come back to UK. Um, Come back home. Listen, yeah. It was, you've had enough. Let's go to another, a worse place. The thing is, my dad is like a deputy head in education. So when it came to education, my dad was never folding. It was like, you can be as mad as you want, but have your qualifications and then take your madness See you wherever you go. Wherever you're going. Mm-hmm. Like education was the one thing my dad stuck onto. Even up to now, he still sticks oh, onto yeah. it. So you want to do anything else, but you have to complete your education first and then go crazy. Okay, so they dropped you in another village and what happened? Yeah, that was even worse hey. because that village, everybody knew about like witchcraft, black magic. And even to a point where there was a girl that she used to be my benchmate mm-hmm. and she left the city, she left the village and then came back. And then she felt ill. And I remember her name. Her name was Buseme. And like when this girl died, they couldn't even open the casket because the way the body looked. It was that bad. Then as soon as, luckily enough, when that happened, I was literally writing my GCSEs. And then I was writing my A-levels externally outside because my dad wanted me to do both at the same time and just get it out of the way. So my dad was basically taking a gamble because if I had failed my GCSEs, my A-levels wouldn't have even counted. So I had to make sure. And the thing about it was, at the time, you had to pass French, which is one one of the reasons right now Cameroon is going for a civil war. Mm. Because imagine there's two sides of a country where there's French sides and there's English sides. Right. right? And every single job you go to, you must have French. How does that make sense? Like On the English side, they don't even attempt to teach French in school. They do. Mm Mm-hmm. And but what they're fighting for is why do you make like, it? Like why is it compulsory? Why is it compulsory that you have to be able to speak French? Why? When we've got two sides of the country, there's French and there's English. Hmm. Two parler français, très petit. So I like this baby. <laughs> um. So it's a thing where like my dad was just like, if you fail this one, right. you're doing this again. But I was like, there is no way facts, I'm failing. Like facts, I did facts. all I, that years of not reading. I must read today. I burned every candle you can think of every burning. Lamp. I stayed awake all night, every night, like Good literally every single night. Like I didn't even stop. And then in the end, that year, I remember not many people even passed because the exams were hard that year. So when in Cameroon, the way they read the results is through the radio. Mm-hmm. That's how you... Huh? Could, yeah. You only, Why are they like disgracing or like So that? like radio, like radio, yeah. radio. So public shaming. <laughs> it's public shaming. So, how, so if you don't hear your name on the radio, you know you failed. Automatically, you failed your GCSEs and you failed your A-levels. So how it went was they started reading from the A-levels the night before and then to get into the GCSEs. So when they started reading the A-levels, my dad heard my name in the A-levels. So his heart was beating for the GCSEs. So he heard my name. Okay, cool. Two A's and one B. Not, not bad. Come on. Come was like, the guy was like, okay, cool. No problem. Then he's like, but if you fail the GCSEs, this doesn't count. Like, it, you can't do nothing with it. Right. So by the time we woke up in the morning, so how they, it goes down to the amount of papers you've had. Mm. So it went from the girl who had the most and she had 10 papers at the time. 
And then it went down to someone else who had eight. And then the next set was the people who had six. And the first person to call was Cynthia Domatov with six favors. I didn't even care to hear the results. I just started packing my bag. Come on, I'm out of here. I didn't even want to hear the results. I was like, Daddy, let's go. He's like, Daddy, let's go. You said if I... Thanks. Yo, yo, I need to go back to the in the, in the country, please. I'm like, Daddy, let's go. And then he's like, let's wait. The next minute I saw, like, I was literally sitting on the plane and I was out. 16 to 19, Cameroon. So all that happened in three years. So I have a, I have a question. Did, did they ever try to initiate you? Do you think they did? Other than the um, breathing, respiratory issues? Yeah. I think they did, but I think I always tell people like whatever madness you possess, mine probably started from well young. So I think my mom dropped me on her, her head a few times because I'm there's something wrong with me anyway. So if you're trying to initiate me, you're wasting your time. Like I'm literally just looking at you and I'm laughing. I've accepted that you're mad. So exactly, I've mad. already accepted that I'm mad. So why are you trying to initiate me? How can you initiate a mad person? Like, there's no point. That's facts. That's facts. You get what I mean? Like, I'm already facts. mad. Where are we going with this? We just both run mad. <laughs> and then your juju won't even work. Exactly. And then you I, your money and your work. chicken like, head and your, yeah, and your cow your time. and your crowries. You're wasting your time. And on top of that, like, I think when my mom, when my mom's mom died, I got the name Natbilla, mm-hmm. meaning mommy's back. Oh, that's so deep. You waste, you're wasting your time. I literally pray. Like, you're literally wasting your time. Like, I think I'm one of those people where I can look at someone and I can just be like, yeah, this person is not I like the soul my soul will not sit with you I can try as hard as possible to be friends with you mm. but we would always be clashing like we would always be clashing because there's maybe there's something about you that has this dark energy energy mm-hmm. and I'm not in that I'm not in that space I pray I've been baptized I've been confirmed I've literally been born again so hey we're not doing that the weapons formed against her don't be prospering. As in, okay, doesn't, take it's notes. not happening. It's literally not don't happening. Take notes. Don't waste. Don't waste your your ego As on in, these people. It's not happening. Like, I I pray for all my friendships. I literally pray I for all. Too. I pray for every single one of my friendships. Everyone I meet, I pray for them. Not not did, because did you, did you have to pray to know if you were, you was gonna come here? Yeah, <laughs> I did. Thank you, God. I actually Thank pray. And the, the thing likes. about it is, why I would say this was a coincidence was because I think I always used to say like, if I find someone that I feel confident to just tell my story, I would, it's not everyone I want to tell people my story. And as it's not everyone, I want people to realize there's a big difference between Cece and Cynthia. Right. Big, big difference. Cynthia is not for the public. I would never have thought like this, this 10 minutes you just, I would have never thought like yeah. this podcast never. was yeah. very, very, very deep notes. Yeah, that's <laughs> like Cynthia. forget the fan, we don't need the fan. Yeah, I mean. that's Cynthia. That's Cynthia you've known but then Cece on the other hand has gone, yeah, a whole lot of things I've had to witness as Cece and I've had to like learn to keep within myself right, right. because of the persona being a woman in the industry and how people would look at me so I had to split Cece and Cynthia. You could laugh with Cece, but you're never going to laugh with Cynthia. Big facts. Never. Big facts. I think so, that's even what drew me to you again is the fact that you're... Like how you... I mean, how we met was one thing. Yeah. We met, you know, at a distributor's, you know, office. And then just sitting in the car with you and you just gisting. I was like, see, I like... See, she's a woman. Is she in this industry? Yeah. And she, look at the stuff she's done. <laughs> nah, I need to know her. Oh, uh, but I'll go ahead. 
So what I was going to ask was, how do you know when to like switch, like switch on CC, switch off Cynthia? So it's more of an energy kind of thing. So I can, I can walk into a room and I would be able to read the energy and I'll be able to tell you if that's where CC will be able to show you her fun, amusing side, play music, vibe with you, dance with you, you know, tell you a few things that might help you or even be able to put you on. You know, make a few phone calls. Because that's literally who has the black book. Cece. But Cynthia, on the other hand, it's a very strategic thing. It's a lot of thinking. takes a lot of time. That's why I like to st- keep, stay by myself. So I would know when I'm walking into a serious environment, I'm walking into an environment where I would have to validate myself or show my, show my worth. And if that's what I have to do, Cece don't come out. Cynthia comes out because I can just sit there and stare at you and I'll pretend like I'm no one. And I'll just stare at you. I'm no one. The way you want to treat me is how I'll be. I'll just sit there. Who's this girl? My name's Cynthia. What do you do? I work in a hospital in England. <laughs> you actually said that. I remember I said that to someone yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. I work in a hospital. But then when I go somewhere, I would feel the energy and I'll feel the vibe and I'll be like, hey, I'm Cece. What's Good. Tell me more. What do you like doing? You know, where you from? What's your favorite color? You'll get that. You'll get that energy. But it takes a lot. Because one thing about society is people always want to take, but never want to give. And I don't mean in a giving, like physically giving someone something, but you need to think about what you add to someone's life. Thanks. You know, it's not just about meeting someone and be like, oh, you do this? Okay, come, let me tell you. No. Mm-mm. Girl, that's what they do. That's how Lagos operate them. I, I, I can't take that away from people, but let's think about this, right? You worked hard for yourself. You worked hard for yourself. Mm-hmm. I worked hard for myself. So what right do I have to come and be demanding stuff from you and I have nothing to give you? That's facts. Like, that's entitlement. It's pure out entitlement. So why should anyone be entitled over another person's business, another person's life? Why? And that's why most people don't like me. I, I genuinely think so because I'm a very like closed off casket. You just see it at the end. But then when you ask me, I'll be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And another thing I've realized is people don't like asking why. People always want to know how, what, and who. But you do know that you're minding someone else's business, right? The moment you want to know the what, the how, and the who, you're in someone's business. But if you want to know the why, they'll respect you more because then you're wanting to learn. You're trying to enhance your own skills. Like you're trying to be, find someone and be a mentor. So stop asking how, what, and who. And start asking why. And they'll literally put you on naturally. Dems. <laughs> like naturally. People don't realize that naturally. I always ask why. Like My favorite question is why too. That's why I I'm always just, ask why. Smiling. Like I ask why. Like even when I get the toughest of the toughest client and people say to me, oh, do this. I'm like, why? Why? Mm-hmm. You have to tell me why I'm doing it. I don't want to know who. I don't want to know what. It's not my business. That's facts. That's facts. Okay, so now, we're supposed to drink, Gary. I, I love if you don't even want to drink this damn Gary. Like, I just want to listen to this girl talk. But we got to drink, Gary, for the culture. Okay, cool. Now, yeah. you told me off the pod, right? Mm. After you told me this this deep, amazing story of, you know, your edu- you know education in Cameroon. Mm. Now, what what role did Gary play in your boarding school experience? So, 
we wanted to get out a lot of times. We wanted to leave the school. We wanted to go home. <laughs> we didn't want to be in boarding school. So we just used to drink Gary every single day to enhance appendicitis. Like literally drink it every single day. Even to a point where we came up with this other one called Spunky, where it was like we took sardine, put it in a bowl, took tomato paste, and then put it and put a drop of vegetable oil, took a bit of onion, sliced it, put it, then put some chili powder. That sounds then, good. And then it, trust me, mix it. But then when we took the gari to make it into like ebba form, we mixed it with cold water instead of hot water, which was supposed to use hot water. So it was like a rock. <laughs> so come and see us on the floor. Just to get Just sick. so you don't have an yeah. excuse to go home. Yeah. Just have an excuse. So is drinking this thing today going to bring back memory of... Um, no, I just won't mix anything inside. I'll just keep it very simple and put a lot of water. Even to a point where we used to take it, right? And then put put the gary inside, take sugar and just mix it and just sit there and just be chewing it. I do that sometimes. Yeah. Like, that's, before, that's before I do the going like this. Just now. Yeah. I do Chewing dry yeah. gary. Yeah, put a little bit of milk and then just mix it and then just be eating it. Or sometimes we just put like the gary, the sugar, just mixing, just chewing it, chewing it, going. Okay, so now the important question I got to ask you, Cynthia, is white or yellow? I'll take yellow. Come! I said I knew what I (laughs) like this freaking babe. I said yellow. I said I knew it. So like, I think we're like, it's a streak. It's a two times in a row. Can't give me that board. Let's be telling who takes yellow, who takes white. Which actually is uh, yeah. actually. I think, I think actually, you're gonna do no pour yourself. You deserve it. Come on. You deserve mine. <laughs> okay. So Cynthia, as you're pouring, right? Mm-hmm. Gosh, I need I I will please keep me focused this episode because I will just use five hours to talk to this babe. I want you to tell listeners who may not know you mm-hmm. what you do. So we have a little bit of, you know, who you are in terms of like, you know, your a young adult upbringing your teens and stuff yeah. what do you do or what are you what are you uh, what do you feel comfortable enough telling us that you do because you do a lot of stuff Ooh, okay so I am a global brand strategist or a global brand creator and an executive producer and an executive director all I'm hearing is executive Ex- executive, executive, executive. <laughs> all I'm hearing is money oh all I'm hearing is money which one, which one, okay, if you had to rank them in terms of which one you do the most, or which one that brings in the most income out of the three rules? <sighs> That's hard because I've made it in a way that I don't do one without the other. Mm, smart. So they're all intertwined. Yes. Okay. So, for example, an executive director would help compile a body of work. Mm-hmm for an artist or even a show and then the brand strategist would come out how that can be made into a brand identity so I intertwined it so how do you do you have staff? yes okay I'm about to say yeah I do I do I do I do I do I do so what I'll do is I'll look at what the artist has done before Mm -hmm. to start Mm -hmm. off with Uh, and let's say it depends on what they want to actually achieve okay. in the end. Okay. So most common one I always use as an example, Roddy Rich. When you're he, saying as an so you worked with Roddy Rich. Yeah. Because you just said you like. So Please, when, we're not we're not we're not we're not on your level. So as you're saying, no, no, you no, have no, no. to. So when I first when we when I first met Roddy Rich, Roddy Rich was like on 
780 something K followers, right? Okay. That he got that on his own. Yeah, that was just him. Okay. Like just that. Um, what most people don't actually know is Roddy was making music well before, but they weren't pushing him to that extent because, like I said, he was still very young. Mm-hmm. And one thing I would have to give the Americans for is they play their cards according to the age. So okay. think about it this way. If an artist is making music from the age of 18, you can't really take them on tour to the age of 21 because you, you can't, can't drink, get into venues you or can't clubs get into and venues, stuff. You can't, and it's much more expensive. So what they did with Roddy was they just let Roddy do whatever he wants to do. He'll just put in music out. And that's why you see most of them are big on SoundCloud. Yes. Because yes. that's where they get to put their body of work from. Mm-hmm. So Roddy got to about 20 and his mentor was Nipsey Hussle. May his okay. soul rest in peace. Rest in peace. And so Roddy was like very clued up. Very, very clued up. Like Nipsey was just telling him like, you know, music is not just about you making music and putting out there. You've got to think about everybody else. You've got to think about how people are feeling and, you know, tell your story. But don't tell your story and take away the amusement of it. So Roddy was like, okay, that's fine. So then I think at that time, Da Young started picking up very, very, very slowly. So then Nipsey made a few calls and then put him on the Post Malone tour. So Post Malone went on tour in 2000. And... So Nipsey Hussle is literally the reason why yeah. Roddy Rich opened up for Post Malone yeah, on that tour. Basically. Okay. So then Nipsey Hussle made the call, put him on. And then, yeah, he then went to Atlantic Records did, in New York, did whatever he needed to do. Then started going on the Post Malone tour. So then his manager, which, who also shares the same birthday as him and is also his best friend, was just sitting down on Instagram one day, just went past this girl's page. And it was like, at the time, I think my name wasn't even um, Cece. It was just, yeah, it was just Cynthia on Instagram. So then he just looked at the page. He's like, hey, what's up? Based on, you're a fine babe or based on the work that you <laughs> I, I don't posted even, on the, po- I, I on think, the page? No, so it was based on the fact that when they went to New York, they met a girl there that knew me. Okay. And then they were just like, oh, um, <clears throat> we're, going to, we're going on tour and we've got London on our list and we don't know anyone. And she's like, oh, I know someone. I'll send her your page. Shout out to a dot connector. Literally. Like, she's like, I'll send her your page and I'll tell her to hit you up. So she sent, him, she sent me, she didn't even send me Roddy's page. She actually sent me his manager's page, page at the time. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, just, you know, hit him up. I'm thinking, mm, really? Like, what, why is he going to respond to me? Like, you know, I'm not doing anything. And at that were, time... Were, were you already doing like, exact, were you, were you no, doing the roles? Okay. No, at that, to be honest with you, weirdly enough, I was more in the Afrobeat industry. So I started off more in the sense of, I went from being a dancer then I danced with Wiz. I danced with DeVito. I did Danagog. Um, I even did... <laughs> <laughs> what is that expression? <laughs> like, I literally just danced. I even worked on events with Smade in London. Um, I was selling tickets. Then I switched and went to DJing. Then I think it was when I got into the DJing, then I realized that this whole brand identity is like a massive thing. Like, mm-hmm. Afrobeat is missing it. And... Being in an African industry, you can't tell African men what to do. You can't tell Africans what to do. Girl, say it again. So I just took a step back, like a massive step back from the Afrobeat industry. So you stepped back based on frustration of like yeah. not being able to... Yeah, being okay. able to tell people what it is and how it is and mm-hmm. them actually listening. listening. I didn't need you to do it. I just needed you to listen. And that's a very, very hard thing for African people. Like, they don't listen. 
it's a normal thing. Like, so I stepped back. Okay. Then you got this opportunity to meet with Roddy's yep, camp. Basically, they took, they'd said to me, come down to Manchester. And he had a show at Manchester Arena, which is about 25,000 people. One of the biggest arenas. Someone that he didn't know. Yep. Didn't know what he was doing. Yep. On your own end, you was working in the Afrobeats industry. Mm-hmm. Your and friend, working in the hospital at the same time. Oh, you, so you was really, you, you oh, was really working in the hospital. Really working in hospital. Yeah. Doing what? Literally working as a nurse. You went to school for nursing? Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. is this big? Okay, my head is busting right now. All right, so you get this connection to Roddy Rich, and they don't even know you. They don't even like screen you. They nope. don't even vet you. Nope. Just pull up to Manchester. Told me to come to Manchester. I even said to him, "Can I come with a friend?" He's like, "Yeah." To do what? So what were you doing on? T- what were you doing? I was just going to go meet Roddy Rich at the time. So when we got there, um, yeah, we literally got there. We were even late to the show because mm-hmm. we had traveled from London all right. the way down to Manchester, right. and that took about two hours. Got to the show now. And Roddy had already started performing. Mm-hmm. So then he was just like, come, come, come. So we're thinking, okay, he's just going to give us like normal tickets to go and, you know, stand in the crowd. This man comes out with a triple A badge. All access, backstage, everything. To people he does not know. To, to people he does not know. Like mm-hmm. the guy just gave us the pass. He's like, put it on. Stuck it on my jeans. And we walked. When I stood there, like all you see is Roddy just performing, performing, performing. Then the show is done. We're like, okay, bye. We're going. He's like, where y'all going? He's like, okay. He's like, come. We went backstage. Took us to Roddy's dressing room. He's like, just wait here. Roddy's coming out. And we're just chilling. Did you, you knew of Roddy Rich before you, yeah. before this, right? Mm-hmm. To you, like, what was his, from your own perspective, what was his uh, level of like stardom at the time? Very little. Okay. So I already, when I looked at him, like I said, anyway, the story would make sense because when he came out, like, Roddy was very chilled, calm at the time. He literally just came out of the dressing room. Mm-hmm. And then his manager was like, oh, here's the girl I was telling you about. And that's where Cece came in. That's where Roddy and them not started the name Cece. And it started off as a, Cece, do you love me? That's how it came. Yeah. That's literally how Are it came. Are you joking? No. So Roddy Richards, who crowned you? Because they couldn't call me Cynthia at the time. So they kept on calling me Cece. And then I was like, Cece, do you love me? Are you riding? And then Drake dropped that song, so it made it even worse. Wait, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Did, they get, did, did Drake get the line from him? No. Oh. So the, the line, they were just adding the line, because remember when Kiki... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they switched up around, and were like, Cece, do you love me? Because it was just catchy, and I was thinking, how did my name go this from Cynthia? This is catching cruise with a young Roddy Rich. <laughs> how did my name go from Levels. Cynthia to Cece, right. do you love me? I was thinking, okay, it's catchy. And then... He was literally just talking to us, saying to us how he doesn't know what his fan base is like at the time. And in was, the UK or period? In the UK. Okay. And I was like, listen, you've got one song that's going around the world. It's literally spinning around the world. Have a show. And it was like, mm, yeah, I want to have a show in London, but I'm not too sure it's going to sell out. We're like, listen, have the show. It's even on our Instagram. We even said to him, listen, girls are going to be throwing thongs at you. And he thought we were joking. And they actually did. Like, they... <laughs> On the day of that show. And then he was just like, okay, cool. I'm going to do the show. I'm going to set it all up. We're going on tour. Cool. So then that's how CC came about. They entrusted you with something like that. Yeah. Didn't know your work experience before that time. I think it's, I think it's because I was very like vocal about okay. what I saw okay. and how I saw him. Makes sense. And I listened to most of the things that they were saying, which was, Roddy doesn't do cameras. 
And most people, when they go around like celebrities or these US artists, the first thing they do is to bring out their phone. Facts. And people don't actually realize these are normal human beings. Like you need to wait for them to tell you to bring, a, bring out your phone. You don't just bring it out the moment you see them. So when we got there, I was busy trying to charge my phone. I didn't even care to record him. Right. Like I was just plugging my phone because my phone was going to die. So I left my phone on the chair and then we spoke, spoke, spoke. And then in the end, his manager, oh, don't you want a picture with him? I was like, oh, he's going to let us? He's like, yeah. And then we just took the pictures together. So was this picture of him wearing like a green hoodie? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. At the end, he was just like, yeah, chill. He's, he just stood there and he's chilled. Like even with my friend, he even held my friend and he was smiling with my friend and did this. But with me, because he knew I was much older than him, mm-hmm. he was just like, mm, let me just chill. I stand a respectful king who leaves <laughs> the room. He was like, let me just chill. So he was just chilling because he literally respected my age and realized that, yeah, I was much older than him at the time. I'm really, I'm really tempted to ask. I'm really tempted that. for you to get closer to the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Ayo. Love you. Yeah, but I don't think that's appropriate. That works off the pod. Huh? Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. I'm not asking our age, but ask off the pod. Ooh. Um, they say you can never ask a woman her age, you know. But truth be told, <laughs> okay. I'm turning 28 this year. Oh, sexy. I'm not that old now. I'm not that old. Look at all these babies down. That's perfect. And we're mates like this. And I'm here partying in Lagos. Anyways. <laughs> um, okay, so I think... Okay, so Roddy, Roddy Witch was kind of like your first uh, major yeah. step into this world that you're that you're in now. Yeah. I want to know how your agency um, came about. Yes. But I, okay, so, so I want to assume it's because of Roddy. Like, okay, that so... Uh, made you... Yeah, so when Roddy came about, it was called, it was a different name at the time. It was called AANC. Okay. Because it was me and the girl we met together and he kind of dropped the gems to us and her name was AJ and then my name was C, mm-hmm. CC. Um, but then I think along the lines, because I knew more of the vision and what Roddy was trying to get me to understand, which is what I understand now, which was the whole branding, the body of work. Mm-hmm. They just saw it as an opportunity to just jump around from one place to another mm-hmm. and go to events and go to parties. And it came to a point where when I was in London, they always wanted me to go to places. And I was just like, no, I don't, you're not getting it. You can't have such access to certain people and then still be going everywhere that everyone is. Like you bring the value of that person down. You're meant to be the most hardest person to get in contact with, but everybody should know how to get in contact with you. Isn't this like C finish? Like, you know, have you heard of it? C finish? Yeah. So how do you, you would be a better one to explain what C finish is. It's like, when you know someone too much and you just feel like, oh, they see you everywhere. Like, so your value just reduces. Like, there's no point. So when I first moved back, I used to be confused because, you know, artists will say, oh, I can't go here. I can't, I'm like, why can't you go there? Like, I don't, I don't understand. They'll say, because if I go, like if people see me out too much, yeah. they won't want to buy my tickets, come to my show of because course, they already, they, they already they see you at W, but they see yeah. you here. That's a real thing. Actually, it's an actual thing. It's a real thing. Your value goes down. Artists are seven trying to like, artists yeah. are not understanding it. They post less often. Mm-hmm. They, they don't go out as much as, unless you're paying them to, you won't see them there. Artists post more now than before. What? what? <laughs> Way less actually. Like Artists like, don't so, post. So like Brema. Like you go to Brema's Instagram page. Um, like maybe recently now just posting like maybe like twice in a day but unless I try to drop music like if Whiskey starts to post on his Instagram page mm-hmm. you know that he's trying to drop something 
Like, they yeah. just post rarely. Like, that's the thing. They're trying to, like, reduce the way, like, the amount of times people see them. So, like, when they post a picture, people think it's more valuable. So, they're more, they're more gingered to want to like it or comment or post. So, it's not even about that. Instagram is an algorithm. It's a computer. And you have to program it. Mm. It's like saying, most people get up and say, oh, I'm always having nasty people comment under my Instagram post. So, where did you comment? Check where, you're, check where you commented. You go take yourself, comment under people's posts, writing nasty comments. You've created a bot. Those same bots will follow you and come onto your page and do the exact same thing. That's Instagram. It's an algorithm. Okay. So let's rewind back because like I said, we spent 10 hours. You, Roddy's like, okay, so Roddy's people's like, they just want to go everywhere and you mm-hmm. can, you're advising them that no. Basically, yeah. If th- this would work out, that wouldn't work out. That's how the whole strategizing came into play. So you you had this insight based on your work with Afrobeat? Like, how did you have this insight to be Studying. able to advise them? Studying. Okay. So I took a lot of time and I studied. I like to read a lot of books. Um, economics was one of my strongest, strongest <laughs> bets. <laughs> and, one thing people don't, and one thing people don't actually realize about economics is economics works in everything. Is there's one rule, demand yes, and supply. supply. Big facts. If you're, there's not a demand for you, where are you going? So that there was the one thing that I always used to use with every single thing I used to tell him. So I would look at stuff. He would say something. I go back, looked at the way social media was built, looked at what was going on around the world, and then just applied a bit of demand and supply and told him it doesn't work. There was even a time when he dropped a song with um, notes and how it is, the plug of this album. And he was, in, he was on tour at the time and everyone started getting onto him. That, oh, why is Roddy not posting the video? Why is he not posting the video? Like notice people were mad? No, like the UK was mad. Okay. That, oh, you know, he's done this song with notes and Young Bane. Sorry, it was Young Bane. It was Young Bane. It wasn't even notes. Okay. He did a song with Young Bane. Okay. And everyone's like, why isn't Roddy posting it? Why isn't Roddy posting it? So they was just like, am I supposed to post the video? I was like, no, it's not your song. It's on someone else's album. Like, you're not did you facilitate that? No. Like him meeting Young Bane? Nope. Okay. It was, so basically the plug. So the, the person who did it was, his name's called The Plug. He's based in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. So he was putting a body of work together where he paid different artists to come together and be on one mm-hmm. EP. Mm-hmm. So he then paid Roddy and then he then brought Young Bane onto the table to then do the song and Chipmunk. So then they then all, the, they all posted it, but Roddy didn't post. You're the one that advised him not to post. I didn't advise him not to post. He was saying, because social media was like coming at him. That why is Roddy not posting? Why is okay, Roddy not posting? Right, right. So then he then started feeling a certain type of way mm-hmm, that, okay, mm-hmm. should he post? And then I was like to him, no, you're not supposed to feel away. If you want to post it, yes, you can post it. Okay, but so the intentionality and understanding why. Exactly. Okay, okay. But understand that it's not your song. It's not your body of work. You were paid to do it. So however you want to promote it, it's more than enough. It doesn't have to go on your page. It's not your song. This is the thing people don't get. Entitlement is a very, very bad thing. It's not his song. So he doesn't have to post it. And these these are like the little gems that they always need, like the US artists need. And one thing people don't realize is they have a massive following, but there's no branding behind them. It's just there. Mm -hmm. The numbers are just there. Do you still work with Roddy Rich now? In and out. I get called once a while based just on the relationship gotcha. like with Donovan all of them so if it's like if I was to go to LA right now and I call Donovan he'll be like yeah come up and I think with him 
he's not, you can tell, you can look at an artist who's going to do music for a very long time mm-hmm. and an artist who's only doing music to get to an end goal. Roddy has an end goal. Way bigger end goal than music. A way bigger end goal than music. Music is just like, it's a game for Roddy. Because let me give you an example, right? Show me another social media account that can stay a year without posting any new content and drop a song on the same day and has one million views in less than something. Yeah. Please excuse me for being antisocial. Big facts. That's what it's, that he's, it's bigger than music. Way bigger than music. Ayo, am I allowed to ask who her next client was or should we pick up a fan? Because I will, I'm... I can tell I'm you straight. Sh- yes. Okay, I'm telling you in one minute. Pop Smoke. It went to Pop Smoke. Right after Roddy. Yeah. One of the fans actually says Pop yeah, Smoke. Okay, let's hold on Pop Smoke. Mm-hmm. And I want you to do the honor of mm-hmm. picking up the first fan in front of you. Pop Smoke. Come on. <laughs> bow, bow. I said the universe is universing <laughs> right now. <laughs> Come um, on. So, Pop Smoke. In 2019, so one thing about me is I'm a risk taker. I mm-hmm. take risk. Mm-hmm. I see something, I like it, I go straight for it. Um, Pop Smoke had a song, Baby Welcome to the Party. Baby Welcome to the Party. <laughs> <laughs> that went viral on Triller. That's, um, that's where it went viral? Yeah. That's Triller. Okay. It went viral on Triller. Um, at the time, I knew Pop Smoke's agent. Um, this company called A Little Booking Agency. So I hit them up. I was like, listen. Pop Smokes needs to do a UK tour. And this is what's going to happen. He was like, that's fine. Put your pitch together and send it to me. We did just that. We put it together. We you and your business? Hold on. Me and my team. Were you still working with the girl? Nope. Did I was fall my... out? So, we didn't fall out, but this is what happened. So, it's so weird because Pop Smoke and Lil Dirk happened at the same time. So, Dirk was the reason why... So you're saying Lil Dirk. I said stop calling people's name like these. these Like that was the reason. That was the reason how I had to go solo. If you get what I mean. Like I had to go. She couldn't catch she couldn't catch up. She couldn't keep up the momentum. Yeah. She wasn't moving on your wavelength? Not even that, because Dirk kinda Dirk put me in a deep end because when Dirk didn't get into the UK. Stop. No. Focus. No. Don't do that yet. Yeah. Please. Go back to Postmoke. I oh, yeah. can't because the story just intertwined. They literally just intertwined. So this is what happened. So I got, I started doing Pop Smoke's um, thing in 2019, right? Mm-hmm. To have the concerts. In the end, um, the promoters couldn't even come up with the fee that they were asking for. So another major... The fee that Pop Smoke's agent was asking yeah. for. So another, but ma- he wasn't big. Sorry, uh, sorry. To yeah, at the time he wasn't big. Okay, but he was doing numbers, and they were looking for about 30 k US dollars per show or for the whole tour. Per show, okay, exactly. Okay, so they were like taking very long time to do what they were doing. So then that just went, that just fizzled out silently. But luckily enough, because I had made such an effort, the booking agent put me in contact with Pop Smoke's manager when he was coming, Shiv. And then he was like, yeah, I want you to meet Shiv. I want you guys to have a conversation. You know, just tell him whatever you were doing and blah, 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 blah. Now, Shiv kind of like brushed it off because at the time he thought, oh, too many people are coming to him with offers. So he kind of like, he brushed me off a little bit. Then in the middle of that, 
Roddy was about to drop, please excuse me for being antisocial. And when he was about to drop that, he had Lord Dirk on the album. Okay. And Lord Dirk was getting ready to come to the UK as well in January <laughs> 2020. So it was like, yeah, it was like a stepping stone. So then all of a sudden, the same booking agent called up Dirk's team. He's like, yo, I've got my girl in London. I'm going to get her to look after you. Dirk's manager brushed it off again. Because this is the thing about them. Whenever they're coming out, they just want to make money. Right. They're not looking for someone who's just going to come and waste their time mm-hmm. and drag them mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. So he was like, I've got this girl. I need you to link up with her. Like she's doing what she's doing in the UK. Like she did that for me. So I need you to go. He was like, nah, 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 it's cool. So then all of a sudden, I then found myself. They put me in contact with the promoter who was actually holding Dirk's tour. Me and him had a conversation. He then told me to come and meet him in Manchester. He paid for my um, accommodation, paid for my travel. We then sat down, had a meeting with him. And then straight away, I got Dirk a booking for 12,000 US dollars. That same day, like someone literally wired money to him the day before Christmas. What was the show? So the show was in Portsmouth. So that same, as soon as I met... Wait, y'all planned a little Dirk show? He was a headliner. Yes, they, you it was a, a concert. Yeah, we. I planned the concert. I even planned a meet and greet mm. with Boohoo Man. Literally, Boohoo ha- Man. you heard them on speed out. Literally, I can tell you the head. Of- <laughs> so oh, it was no. like so. It was like a race against time. Facts. And then all of a sudden, we found ourselves. We've done the show. Then as soon as people start seeing that, okay, Simph is involved in it. I done the meet and greet. I even got um, merch made. Even gave me permission to use OTF. Sorry, in 24 hours? Not even in 24 hours. I did that. Or like in, after the... As, as soon as I met him in Manchester, the promoter, I literally got that done. So this was towards Christmas, mm-hmm. end of 2019. Mm-hmm. I literally got everything done in a month's time. And then I managed to get at least nine after parties. We did Manchester. We had Birmingham. We had Leicester. We had London. Then we had Leeds and Portsmouth. Cindy, you're making my, my penis go... <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> I don't want to say my heart, but like something my body's just vibrating. Just like, Literally. Okay, so wait. So Pop Smoke, like how is this? How's he? So, oh, yeah. Pop, okay, so then Pop Smoke now, how that happened was we're doing the little Dirk booking, mm-hmm. right? Pop Smoke then comes to the UK. Coincidentally, he's going to a club called Tape London. Mm-hmm. Tape London is actually run by my mentors because my two mentors have Tape. So he then goes to tape at that time and he had Sheck West was there. They all went to the they all went to the club and then my mentor called me. He's like, where are you? I was like, in my house. He's like, yeah, Poppy's in London. Come. Because like, they all knew I wanted to work with him. So they're like, come. I went to the club. I met him. I met Pop. The first thing he said to me is, I'm looking for some leather pants. Because <laughs> he had a thing for leather pants at the no. time. So I'm looking for some leather pants. I was like, okay. That same night, like me and a couple of people. Was it, like, this was during Meet the Woo time, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Meet the Woo volume, the second one. Okay. Yeah, when okay. he came in, like in February mm-hmm. to push that out. So then, yeah, my mentor then says, okay, come meet him. Met him the night before. Then the next day, they were like, okay, we're going to have a meeting with his manager. I was like, they were like, what's his name? Shiv. I was like, okay, cool. Bear in mind, Shiv, they already told Shiv about me, yeah. but Shiv brushed me off. He aired you. Exactly. So then the next day, we then sat down. My mentor sat there. All you see is Shiv come downstairs. And then Shiv looked at me. He's like, wait, I've seen you before. I was like, yeah, you, 
Of course you did. Yeah, of course you did. And her friend was like, this is Cece, Cece, this is Shiv. And then Shiv goes, yeah, I heard what you were saying, but you know, with the US, you have to have your verification. Mm, that's real. That's real. So you needed that, I, I guess, you needed uh, endorsement someone, from your mentor. Yeah, exactly. Someone who who knows them mm-hmm. and who knows what I do mm-hmm. and takes me seriously in what right. I do right? to give me that verification. So then they were like, okay, cool. What do you want to do? I was like, I want to book him for a few shows. I want to handle his merchandise. Um, I want to do a meet and greet. They were like, yeah, that's all fine. That's all fine. They didn't say any but. Nope. They said, do whatever you want to do. I have two questions. One, are you? do you consider yourself a patient person? Mm-hmm. Are Very you someone patient. that believes in the, like, if you get re- if you get a rejection now, you're like, mm, somehow um, it's going to come back to me. Not that same thing, but something better. Got you. Second question is, all this, your connection, connection, connection. Is there, is there any like valuable connections or insight that you gained in the Afrobeats industry that you could, like you carried it over into the, uh, I guess, Amer- uh, American music markets? Because how, I'm trying to understand where you get, where these I just don't let anybody from. take me for an idiot. Big facts. That's the only thing I learned. Just Big don't facts. let anyone take me for an idiot. Because that's one thing that the Afrobeat industry does. They undermine you. They undermine you and try to overpower you. And that's a very, very, very messed up mentality to yeah. have. Yeah. And it, it's it's toxic. So even in the UK Afrobeat industry. Because we, I mean, yeah. we experience that every yeah. day in, in yeah. Nigeria. Yeah. UK is even worse. It's Why do you say that? Validation. Validation, 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 validation. It's like someone says to me, oh, you know, Dirk doesn't follow you on Instagram, so how are you working with Dirk? Why do I want a page that is full of fans to follow me? Why? To even tag you on their stuff, to even make them... That's what I was going to say. That was the reason why I had to leave everybody because when Dirk didn't get into the UK, I started receiving death threats and then I had to beg him to make an apology video. And then he made the apology video. And in the apology video, he added me. Okay, Cynthia, so let's, let's rewind some. Because <laughs> I don't think we even outlined the whole Dirk even going to UK. UK. Okay. I know. Okay, Pop Smoke. You booked it for shows, right? Yeah, booked shows. Um, after parties. Was going to do meet and greet. Do merchandise. Like, that was the last meeting we had. And then he was literally left. Went to you. He went to France. Shot um a video with with Quavo, Quavo, right? Um, and then shake the room, shake the room, and then after he went to New York, packed his bag, to then go to LA, and then yeah, that was the end of. Do you remember? Week. Do you remember where you were when you got the news that he was? I went to the shop to buy water, and I was coming back, and I left my phone in the house. I came back, and all I could see was like twenty five missed calls from um one of our photographers that mm-hmm. we used that day at the album launch, mm-hmm. Zek. And he was just like, yo, Cece, Papa's been shot. I was like, huh? He's like, check your phone, check your phone. Switched off the phone. That went on the internet. And I just kept on seeing it on my explore page. Everywhere. Pop smoke's been shot. Pop smoke's been shot. Then immediately <clears throat> after that, because I was working with Dirk at the time, mm-hmm. Dirk's manager called me. He was like, oh, I know you're working with, you were working with Pop. I just wanted to let you know, like, you know, did you see what happened? I was like, yeah. He's like, I'm so sorry. I was like, yeah. And he's like, I'm going to call Shiv because he knows Shiv as well. He's like, I'm trying to get hold of Shiv, but his Shiv is not picking up. I just kept on saying, yeah. I couldn't even speak. Like, I just kept on saying, yeah. 
Yeah. And I think that was where my mental health started declining. Like that was the last straw for me because I had already been getting the death threats and then then dug myself into this pop smoke situation where I'd physically sat with someone a week ago and then finding out they're dead. It was like, huh? Like it, it was mad because even my mom said she didn't know why I was crying. Like I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep for like a week. And then I just took myself, I just went into therapy after almost like several suicidal attempts. It was deep. It was very, very deep. It was like Suic- a very deep. Ad- okay. If you're not comfortable to answer this, yeah. feel free to tell me, Jessica, shut the hell up. <laughs> um, the, the the attempts to um take your own life and thank God that you didn't because you're too amazing to like, <laughs> I'm you. sorry, either too amazing to not yeah. be on this earth right now. Um, Were they based on the situation about Pop Smoke? Was it a combination of other things that were going on in your life? Like, Yeah, so here's one thing about black people or African people. We take mental health as a joke. Big facts. We play with our mental health a lot. Big facts. We go through so much stuff growing up that we don't actually address it. Yes. And it builds up and it builds up and it builds up. The way I was brought up was very rough, very stern. Um, I might have had PTSD growing up. I didn't know. I didn't pay attention to it. No one ever told me. You grew up in the UK? I grew up in the UK. Okay, okay. So I might have had... And I schooled in South Africa, so... Where I witnessed firsthand racism, where I'm when when people say to me, "Oh, racism," I'm thinking, "You don't even know the ins and outs of racism." My mom almost got raped in hospital by white people when she gave birth to my younger brother, and a white woman had to come and save us and give my brother a South African name just so they wouldn't rape my mom. So when people talk about racism, I've lived through the apartheid. I've lived through all that. So racism is trust me, no one knows about racism as much as my family does. We've been through the worst of the worst in racism. Like I've had my hair chopped off in school in South Africa. I've had to kneel to walk into a class when I was just a kid and I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't even know what it meant. Like I was just a kid. So for me, I think the trauma that I had growing up with everything that happened and the fact that, you know, I don't, I won't say my parents didn't know, but they're African. What what can they, you know? Mm-hmm. They only have a certain kind facts, of facts, facts. understanding. So it got to a point where as I got older, I made wrong decisions and I got myself involved with people that didn't actually help my mental health. And I ended up finding myself in this really abusive relationship, mm. which a lot happened, like a lot. Hot water, putting me in the boot of a car. Like it was a lot just like it was a lot to the point where when I finally had the courage to walk away from the relationship mm-hmm. I didn't know who I was anymore mm-hmm. like I was a completely lost person because it's like okay this is you've been with this person for a long time and they've portrayed you to be that person right because you start believing you're that person. exactly you start thinking you're that person because that's how they've trained your mind and everything you're thinking so then got to a point where for me to find myself, I wasn't able to find myself. And the only way I found myself was through music and was through pop smoke and doing all these things. And then all of a sudden so he dies. Damn, like the, the, the reason that you have not to be, not to exaggerate, like the will, to, like the reason to live, like you've immersed yourself. You have this first successful, like exactly. not first, because you had Roddy, but like, 
officially like yeah, yeah like you yeah. birthing into this you know new world and, and then, then he dies like that was literally where it, it, it everything just went like everything just went down it went down and i didn't even know at the time i didn't even know if I was even going to continue with Dirk. I was going to ask you, exactly. like, were you going to continue with I didn't Dirk? even know because he didn't even get into the UK. So he was going back. Okay, so do you want to now shed light on this whole <laughs> not getting to UK? So, he had a concert. We had a con- we had a tour. Um, Did a couple of bookings. Mm-hmm. And went to the airport to get Dirk. <laughs> Got to the airport. Sat there. Waiting for this man. And the immigration sent out. So there was about nine of them at the time the immigration sent out seven and held back two they held back booker and they held back dirk for interviews Mm -hmm. um when they held them back it was like okay cool you know they need to do some checks and everything we were there from like six in the evening to the next morning while waiting for dirk like people just kept on popping up on ig with like stupid stupid messages but the one that kind of struck us was someone sent a message and they were like, why are you still saying Lil Dirk is coming to the UK when he's getting sent back? But we hadn't even spoken to Dirk. So would that be somebody in the immigration office trying to t- like, yeah. yeah. are they allowed to do, why would they be, okay, I'm listening. I'm so listening. no one, had, like we hadn't even spoken to him. So then when we saw that message, I showed Dirk's manager, I showed everybody, everyone was like, what? Everyone was confused, like what is going on? And then, Five minutes later, he just screenshots the paper and sends it to us and said, this is the reason why they're sending him So back. do you think somebody was sabotaging you trying yeah. to get him in? Mm-hmm. It was sabotage. Because there was no reason for him not to get in. He had already received a piece of paper from the court that said he was able to travel. He can have shows. There was nothing. I'm putting timeline together. He was having that case. He was having, he was still under, that case was still under investigation. The one in Yankee. Yeah. So he technically wouldn't be allowed to travel. He had to ask for special permission to be able to and he, travel. And he got that, and he got that permission. He got that permission. And then yes. he came and then that was it. And even on the paper, they just said they find him a risk to society. That makes no sense. So you only find someone a risk if someone hasn't given you a certain amount of information. Right. And the information, which I strongly believe was Dirk is, Dirk is from the streets. Mm-hmm. Dirk is someone that every single person is relatable to. So every single person in the UK or like in general in general okay, okay. if you listen to his music you would find I, mean, I listen to him I can't relate but I listen yeah you can't relate yeah because you're a female yes and I also wasn't brought up in that in that type exactly of but okay. then there are male who have gone through struggles of or course. they're still going through struggles right, right so when they listen to Derek they can see the light at the end of the tunnel okay because from someone who's gone from zero to now Facts. having this yep, so yep. that is literally what it is yep. so someone can say to me he was a risk yeah you're just talking about the fact that he can pull any crowd anywhere around in one country and London has a tendency of having gangs in the north the south the east the west so they just saw mm, it as they just saw it as okay. all these gang members from these different different areas are going to come together come for, Dirk for a Dirk show. At the end of it, it will just be one bloodshed or something. Yeah. So <laughs> the person said he's a risk because of that. Okay, so they sent him back. They sent him back to the point, and people were so angry to the point that you were receiving death, death threats. threats. Yeah. 
like literally getting death threats a loads of them i was showing his manager and then i was like he just needs to make an apology video like please like i begged his manager i was like i was like listen yeah i don't even ask artists for anything until i meet them physically but you see this particular one he needs to apologize because it's looking like we did this intentionally do, do you know can you remember how many tickets you had sold already like pre-sale we were sold out he sold out in 60 seconds. How many, how many, what, how many Cedar venue? Eight shows. Every single one of them at 2,000 capacity. Yeah. So you had to refund everybody. Everyone like... got refunded back. I'm, I don't even have the mouth to even talk mm-hmm. to because I'm, my chest is just doing me. So yeah. he does, he does the, he does the apology video. He did the apology video. And then I, the least I could expect was he added me at its CCPR. And I think that was when everything just changed. And that's when he literally was saying that, okay, cool. He wants to do the branding. He'll do the branding. But then at the time... So, I- can I ask you... Okay, Cindy, sorry for cutting you off. Can I ask... So, do you feel like that of that that event that happened to Dirk mm-hmm. influenced his need to want to, okay, take branding seriously? Mm-hmm. And why do you think... Why do you think that was his eureka moment? Because he saw the importance of being able to put your brand and your music and separate it because who Dirk is it's his music is his music and the brand is the voice mm-hmm. and that voice is what travels are you the one that came up with the voice? Yes. stop playing with me <laughs> and that's, huh? that's how it came about so how it even started was he already had an album that mm-hmm. he was ready to put out at the right, time which right. was um, Just Cause Y'all Waited Now too. Mm-hmm. and in there I was like I was like, you know, the one thing people are going to crucify us for is no one's going to know how, what happened in the UK because mm-hmm. it just looked bad. And next minute, all you hear is, got denied in the UK. <laughs> got denied in the UK. I hope they gave you a songwriting publishing company. I was like, okay, cool. Perfect. At least now you're clearing the air right. and you're understanding that it's not just about compiling what you want to compile. Like you got to think about everything that's gone on. Right. So he started understanding it. And then lockdown came. So now he had to do serious thinking. Longer thinking about how this was going to work out because, hey, you've gone into a country. Prior before that, he tried to get into Jamaica. They denied him. Yikes. Then he then went into another country. They denied him. So he was seeing it that you being Lord Dirk is giving you enough problems as it is. Right. So you need to brand yourself. Like you've got to be a brand. His managers could see it, but they were just trying. They're trying their best they could because 90% of them, they've been with him for a very, very long time. And it's a long withstanding relationship. So they wouldn't... They wouldn't be able... They, they have blind spots. Exactly. There's, there's so many things they didn't see. So I was like, cool. I was just minding my business. The next minute, the manager goes, oh, do you think we can get a brand to sponsor Dirk, do an endorsement? I was like, I can, but if I'm doing it, we're rebranding. He's like, what do you mean rebranding? I was like, Dirk is the voice. Dirk started singing. Dirk can rap. Dirk does drill. <laughs> Dirk can basically jump on a song and that song would have the biggest impact without you even realizing it. And he was like, mm, I don't really know if he's gonna. I'm like, I've already said how I can do it. Right. That's the the rest is up to you. Like, that's not my business. He's like, all right, cool. Get us the deal and we'll see what happens. 
So I went back to the team that I work with, started having conversations about Dirk and Boohoo Man. They first came, they dropped money, very rubbish money. Didn't Damn, even, can I get it? Can I get an estimate, like a price range? They offered him like 100K. And we were just like, and at that time, he was only on about seven, eight million followers. Okay. He was still climbing mm-hmm. from the previous album. Then the album went gold. Then Boohoo Man thought, mm, we don't pay enough money for these artists. So we're going to go and use someone else. So they did. They went and did Sway Lee. We started laughing at them. Sway Lee didn't really have an effect because Sway Lee wasn't doing any music at the time. Right. Then I think the bit that I shocked them was I literally just made one phone call and I asked for his insights and I got the insights. Then I sent it to Boohoo. And when they realized that every single day of the week, this guy had a million people on his profile. They were like, yo, wait. And the majority of them were men. Yo, wait. <laughs> Hold on, wait, wait. How is that possible? I was like, exactly. You're taking the right person into the right brand. It's called brand strategy. You're not missing Hire it. me, babe. You're not missing it. I can be your PA. <laughs> Chevy, I can be your PA. And then they were just like, let's have a conversation. Went on and on and on and on. Then, unfortunately, just before the deal was going through, Von died. Stop! You're going. You're going farther than my fan. <laughs> oh yeah, pause. <laughs> I have permission to pick up a new fan. I know. You, are you looking at me like hmm, you're just letting this girl go on and on and on and on? <laughs> okay, please. Okay, hold on. Hold that thought. <laughs> Cynthia. Mm-hmm. What is your take on record labels releasing music after the death of artists? So what is your take on um, labels releasing posthumous albums? I got to take on this. <laughs> so because for this, me, I'm triggered by this for one. me, I think it's a 50-50, right? Okay. Here's, the, here's the real. If the artist has their masters, they own the masters, the rights to their masters, mm-hmm then the legacy continues and you're, they're able to feed their family and do whatever. Mm-hmm. But it shouldn't stretch more than just one. Because at the end of the day, death is untimely. No one knows tomorrow. No one right. knows when someone is going to go. It's like DMX. Right. No one really knew what DMX was going through mm-hmm. and everything. And at the end of the day, when such a big person passes away, the fans want something because he hasn't made music in such a long time. Right. But then I think where record labels kind of go off it is by putting all these features that don't really represent the artist truly is that he was at that's that time. That's a critique I had about Shoe for the Stars, but that's a different conversation. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like you're going to do something for an artist to remember them, but you're not doing it how the, how the artist, artist would have done, done if they were around. Right. So you've missed... The whole point. So I'm I'm fifty I'm fifty fifty for it. I'm a fifty fifty person. I can't really say no and I can't say yes because sometimes I believe in it, but it gets out of hand when you start putting content that that's not what the artist would have done if they were alive. Do you feel um okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about my critique of Pop Smoke, right? So I loved Pop Smoke. I loved yeah. that man's music. I loved it. Okay, mm-hmm. so he passes. Um, you know, um, 
right when Meet the uh, Meet the Boo Two drops. Mm-hmm. I loved Meet the Boo Two. Mm-hmm. Um, that was him obviously because he was still alive. Mm-hmm. Then um, you know, they start pushing to drop his album, mm-hmm. the Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon album. Mm-hmm. I felt it felt very creepy, the way that like they were really pushing this guy in death. Now I understand, like you know, you're putting out music. Mm-hmm. People gotta make their money, mm-hmm. right? I understand mm-hmm. that. Music is content, it's intellectual property, it's valuable, mm-hmm. right? When you would see, like, music video after music video of, like, the same three clips of him that they would try to stretch out mm-hmm. and, like, put in like put in videos over and over again, um, you know, the same that you... I, I feel like I could even sense some, you know, songs where it's like, this song wasn't finished. They just try to, like, piece it together and, like, really try to make it work and stretch it so that they can make a song out of it to put it out. And then you see creepy things like I remember I think I saw they said they made a pop smoke hologram in one country in the U- in, in one yeah, in France or something and I was like this don't this this seem not not pure like I'm just like y'all are really it's almost like obviously you're making more money um you're making pop smoke is generating more revenue in death than he would have you know when he was alive because mm-hmm. he's been like he, like he only had a year of you know. Thing. of of becoming a you know buzzing and, and blowing up mm-hmm. and then he passes and it's kind of like and then again i'm i'm a i'm a little i'm a little conspiracy theory and of i'm course. like are you happy that he not not are people happy that he passed yeah. obviously we're sad but Do like you want him to die yeah, to like you know because the label's just looking at it like this is a cash cow situation i mean what i can say is the mistake a lot of labels make is they sign a lot of deals on artists' heads. Yes. And take a lot of money. Yes. And make a lot of promises. Yes. In certain places. To the point where the artist is no longer there. They still have to fulfill those promises. Yeah. So when you see things like that, turn a blind eye. It's hard. I mean, it was hard for me because I couldn't even, I couldn't even sing certain songs. I can imagine. I knew that if pop was alive, that's not how it would have been. done it. Do you get what I mean? Like, people who had spoken to him would have known 100% certain songs, how he would have done mm-hmm. certain songs. So, yeah. That that there, it's, a, it's scary, but like I said, I don't work for any labels. I don't work in labels. So, if the management or the artist is not asking for my services, I really mind my business. And that's exactly how I did with pop. I had to mind my business because it was very painful. I think what you said is super profound about um, understanding that as a fan, you're like, man, why are you putting out this music? This is not this is not true representation yeah. of my favorite artist. Yeah. But then understanding the back end that the they have obligations exactly. that they need to pay There's for. There's a lot of obligations that they go through. And sometimes that's why I always say to artists that, you know, before you come on social media, just think long and hard. Because once it touches that platform, you don't control the dynamics of it anymore. Thanks. You don't. That's how it started off where people were like getting angry at the artwork that Virgil first did. Girl, did you like it? Okay. Don't see. I, I know you can't speak based on political. I, I didn't like that. thing. Yeah. Was, no. Come on, So that's bro. what I'm saying. Like social media has a very foul, crazy game that it plays. Right. So I can only give an opinion and Makes advice. Sense. But if you don't want to listen to it, I'm not going to come and save you. I can't. I, I really can't do that. Right. Because right. I do tell you exactly what would happen if that touches social media. And you choose to listen. That's entirely up to you. Cynthia. Okay. Pick up the next fan. Because if you leave, <laughs> oh, pick up the next fan. 
Having worked in the entertainment industry outside of the continent, what changes would you like to see in the industry here? I want to see open-minded. Yeah. Girl, you asking the you wrong guys people. have <laughs> you asking the wrong country. They're not open minded about things. So many things. Yes, it's like, like. Sorry for cutting you off. Yeah, but like, do you see the situation of how you met? Um, Roddy Rich. I remember Roddy Rich. Yeah, that won't happen in Nigeria. I know mm, exactly sure? zero. Like they would oh. not. They wouldn't give someone that they don't know the opportunity. The opportunity. Yeah, like, that's right. Okay, I don't know if I should say this on the pod, but talk about something earlier today. Mm-hmm. Like, just randomly. Mm-hmm. I feel like because of you are you and you have a mentality that you have, that's why you might probably consider it. But if for someone else, chances are, what is the guy talking about? But then, Zero. at the same time, I think that's very shallow-minded because yeah. why do you need my mentality or my mindset to coach you when there's thousands of information out there that people read every day, people see every day, and they do it. So it's just about the mindset that people in Africa have had that nothing is possible without X, Y, Z. And Facts. That's Facts. wrong. That's Facts. so wrong. That's absolutely wrong. Like, humanity is based on equality, right? We're all equal. You're a human being. I'm a human being. So what stops you from doing what I did? Maybe in a different way. It's just your mindset. It's just how you're looking at it. And that's one thing that most artists here suffer from. So they look at something and how something has been done and they want to do exactly that exactly same way. That and then you can't way. do it that way though because you weren't put in that situation. You're, you didn't, not, you're you didn't not, have not that, that person. Exactly. You don't have the... You so know. yes, ask me how and the why. And then you go do yours. However you want to. You might get a better success rate than me. Because I probably did this four years ago and now it's even easier. So be open-minded. And that's the thing that hinders this industry. Because people look at something and they want to do exactly as how someone else did it. And that's very, very impossible. Circumstances have changed. Situations have changed. We've just come out of COVID. There's no money. Everyone's upset. Come on. (laughs) Like, let's be real. (laughs) You're not going to get the same result. Right. The way I did. Okay. Open-mindedness. What, what, what are like two other things you'd like to see? Be prepared for criticism. Be prepared for, Girl, some, be prepared for somebody you, to... Look at what you're asking. Be prepared for <laughs> someone to tell you, you ain't shit, you ain't gonna be shit, and you still are not shit. <laughs> be prepared for that. And that's why when someone tells me, you ain't shit, I'm like, facts. <laughs> I ain't shit. Facts. <laughs> you ain't gonna be shit. Facts. But when I do it, you know it's been done. Take it. I do you think you take criticism well? Do I? Mm-hmm. Honestly, 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 no. I, you know, like at the spot, yeah, I'll probably be very defensive about it. But mm-hmm. eventually, I actually like when I'm on your own. When I'm on my own and my ego is not like, you know, eating me up, I'll actually just calm down and think about what this person has said. I don't exactly take everything that person has said, said yeah. because sometimes they can be capping on the same bullshit as well. Of course. So like, I, I gauge it. Is there like an atom of truth in what this person has said? said yeah. yeah, then. But like, taking it, like person saying it to me, I'm like, yes, you're right. Nah, I would not do that. Got I would you. give you the satisfaction. Got you. Yeah. Got you. Okay, what's one more thing you'd like to see? Patience. Have a lot of patience. 
Be very patient. Brody used to say it's perfect timing. Everything is about perfect timing. You can't expect to have done work for a year and to be a millionaire in that same year. Drake did music for seven years and it has taken him how many decades and now he's the number one artist in the world. So why do people think if they start something today, they have to make it tomorrow? Oh, patience is a virtue. Something that I think that also um, adds to that is the fact that people don't know the story. Like, they don't know what someone has been to Exactly. Me. Like, someone might say, Blair, he's just came out from nowhere and just started singing. But chances are, she's probably been singing for a very long time exactly. and you just knew about her. Exactly. So that's something that I also feel like affects people when they don't really understand, like, the story of how this person has come out. I mean, without a story, we were all taught that, you know, patience can get you a lot of ways. It's like the, the, the story between the turtle and the, the hare. Like, that was one story we all knew. It's not about how fast you run. Is literally what route you take. So personally, regardless of your story, you're all gonna get there. It's just a matter of when. I think to add to this, um, before we go to the next fan, is also vulnerability. Something I want to see is vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about the reason why we don't uh, people can't understand why you need to be patient about something because people don't know the story, right? But mm-hmm. people aren't even open to telling their stories for, yeah. for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, I, especially in this culture, mm-hmm. people are very closed off. Yeah. Um. You know, people want to be perceived as, oh, I have everything together. I don't blow already. You see, like, uh, oh, upcoming man. artists, uh, we need to have chain and rent car. We mm-hmm. need to do, we need, we need him to look like this. And I'm not saying you can't, I mean, that is a part of branding. Do I think it's effective branding? No, because mm-hmm. it keeps you very out of touch with, you know, your core listenership. When you're first coming out, it doesn't allow people to grow with you because you're already up here. Mm-hmm. It makes sense, I feel like, to grow with your people and then let them watch you attain these things and attain this level. But yeah, like people don't like telling their story or like they'll say their story, but they won't say it on public platforms. I think one reason. thing I learned was no one is going to promote my scars but me. Big facts. You're never going to promote my scars. I'll promote it myself. You can go tell my, you can go say what you think is my story, but just understand you know of me, but you don't know me. Mm. So, however you want to run with that, go with it. Makes sense. No one will promote my scars. Makes sense. That's deep. And I, that's deep. I think it's I look like back on no my one life. can tell your story except you. Exactly. Or no one can even tell it as well or like exactly. as effective as you. Yep. Like I can go and be like, oh, you know, I know Cynthia because ABC of, you know, things I heard or it, even what she told me today. Exactly. But like she can't exactly. articulate it as... Or, like, I can't articulate as deeply and, like, as, like, profoundly as her that it will make you sit there and be like, I know this babe's life is, like... And I think that's one thing people are scared of. That's why most people don't want to tell their stories Mm -hmm. because they always think that, oh, you know, people can go and run off and come up with their own different versions, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is very true, which is very possible. But I always say to people, if you know who you are and where you're headed to, why do you actually care after that? As long as you know... What really, 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 really happened. And you were the one there. The rest is just the phase. Mm. It will come and go. There's one rule Drake said. 48 hours. There's a 48 hours on the internet. So you do something. It should only hurt you for 48 hours. After that, forget about it. Because there's nothing else you can do after that. Right. You get angry in the first 24. And in the next 24, you're feeling very low. After that, Move on. You'll see. Just move on. 48 hours is all you need. If you need 72, then that means you're slowly, slowly breaking your mental health down. 
because you have to understand that life goes on. Mm -hmm. You don't have 72 hours to cry. (laughs) You don't even have 72 hours to feel pain. Because like when they're hitting you, you feel it there. And then the rest of it is just numb. (laughs) Exactly. So how are you crying for more than 48 hours for something you can't control? I'm 100% applying that rule to my life starting to starting 40, now. Trust me, 48 hours. Next next need. problem that happens to me, I give myself 48 hours. 48 hours. And that's it. 48 hours. Of thinking about it, overthinking, whatever, and then I keep pushing. Doesn't mean I'm not so hurt about it, but at least I'm not dwelling in those those emotions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Madam. <laughs> next fan says, um, it's for you to talk about HitLab. Ooh, yes. So... so HitLab is an artificial database that was actually, it started years ago. So if you listen to Akon, mm-hmm. right, there was a music video that he had. I wait, can't wait so, to the sunrise. Support, do you support the Akon? Yeah. So if you look in that video, mm-hmm. he actually had HitLab. Like they started making HitLab okay. from there, right? Okay. So he then partnered up with these guys in Toronto that came from a major label from Sony. And then they all put the funding behind it where it's this system where it's going to slowly cut down on A&R jobs where human beings will not be able to score people's songs or give an opinion. Is this a good or a bad thing then? Because robots are taking over. We don't. I mean, I think in terms of... Putting us out of work. No, I think in terms of opportunity-wise, it's good because let's think about it, right? As an artist, you go to pitch songs. You have to know somebody there to pitch the song. Okay, facts. Okay? And then someone has to invite you to come to the meeting, right? Mm -hmm. But then imagine if this system where record labels can hear a song out there, take the song, submit the song, and see what it does. And if it hits everything in the charts or in the probability of being a hit, you then go offer. Okay, so hold on. Let's 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 go to the bear. Let's go to the let's strip it down. What is hit like? What is the definition of hit lab? So hit lab is the company. It's actually the company. Okay, right. Mm-hmm. But then they have this DEAS, so the digital analysis system. Okay, where artists can submit their songs for evaluation by AI technology. By an AI technology. You understand? Just yeah, I understand. Yes, by an AI technology. Do you get it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's no human being behind it. So all you do, so the system has been programmed in such a way that it will tell you if the song is a hit, mm-hmm. the tempo, the bass, everything. It's like writing a WordPress. Basically. So it literally listens to this, then automatically generates it a score out of 100. Now, if you get 98 and then there's someone on the leaderboard that's got 97, you're automatically number one. So the more so people they're that- going to objectively just say the people that get the highest ranking in this system is the people we're going to like take a you, second look at. Yes, you have to stay there for a certain period of time. Yes, I don't know. Why I have reser- so in in theory, the, in theory, this this thing makes sense. Yes, right? in theory, um, because I was thinking about how you said the the channel to pitch a song or the channel to get signed is very long. Yes, and it, it takes a lot of you have to hit a lot of like mm-hmm. uh roadblocks before mm-hmm. you get to that final stage, right? Mm-hmm. From the you know the A and R like finding you, then them having to like maybe convince so people within the and then you then the, put like a private link right. for them to listen to the right. songs, and then it goes back, right. and then they start thinking of everything, 
Yeah, no. And then also they could potentially be profiling you. Like if you come yeah. and sit down at the meeting, they're looking and up and down. The record yeah. exec is racist or something like. Exactly. Mm, you're black. I don't want to sign yep. you. Okay, so this cuts back on a lot of like human, I guess, bias mm-hmm. that he was just inherently have. Mm-hmm. Now, with AI technology, so one right. I'm thinking about. So have you heard of how um, technology or like code sometimes is like racist because or it has like racial bias. Because the people that make that write the technology and that create the coder like are inher- are have some like racial biases within themselves. So how Hitler? How do you combat? How do you combat? So that? what Hitler has done is they found mentors and ambassadors for every area, okay. and they made sure that that link fitted that demographic. So okay. for example, I did. I'm doing Africa. Is so, that why you here? Yes. That's why your beautiful self is in Lagos, Nigeria. <laughs> exactly. So on my link, mm-hmm. if you submit through me, it shouldn't be able to do that because it's so you, are you for Africa. So did you have influence in Africa? The processes of like the things that, that need to be present in the song yes. for it to yes. for to to suit Africa. So what 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 uh, criteria did you did you so I would so have? I would look at more as the kind of drums the drums that mm-hmm. they put in there mm-hmm. the bass sometimes a bit higher the tempos are a bit faster consider that mm-hmm. language cultural all those things it's in the system do you, did you consult with like people on ground yes who did you consult with the president of the company is he African no he's a white man called oh. Michael Michelle and then his the operation is called Randy. So I had like, it was a long meeting. Mm-hmm. It was a very long-winded meeting mm-hmm. that started since, what, February? So I told them, and I told them my sound that I specifically work on is Afro-pop and Afro-drill. Mm-hmm. So if you are going to do that, you have to consider that you're going into Africa. So the sound might be different. The language barrier is different. The culture is different. So how does that benefit them? So then they had to go back and look at the system and, you know, add certain things in the system that would give people in Africa the opportunity to even submit Have songs even in get their own sound and their own language. Okay, so you basically came to Nigeria to convince us to put our music on your hit lab. And I also came to Nigeria because Nigeria qualified for the African Cup of Nations and you're going to Cameroon, which is my country. Okay. Do you know what it was? Um, okay. So HitLab. No, no, no. What you need to do? Plug HitLab. You're going to be, I need to ask you this question. Plug, plug HitLab. Plug it. What, what, what do we need to do? Where can, so where can we find it? So if you go on our Instagram page, um, it's CCPR. Just click on the link on the bio. Submit your song. It's $1.99 per song or $5.99 for five songs. You put the song on there, it would automatically generate your song. You're able to resubmit again. If you, once it comes up with a score and you don't like the score, you go fix the song and yep, resubmit it. Yep. With that same fee. So okay. that is never going to be taken away from you. Okay. As long as it's that same song that you're putting back. But if you're bringing a new song, you have to pay another fee. Um, once you put it up there and you're on the leaderboard, maximum six weeks, you're able to stay on that leaderboard with six weeks because we have to give other people the opportunity to submit I would personally be in contact with you and sit down try to listen to what other songs you have it's not just about one song I need a body of work at least 20 songs so you have one shot with that one song or the songs you put on HitLab yep. if they stay up there long enough yep. that gives you incentive or obligations to go and reach out to that person to be like okay mm-hmm. what else do you have yep okay once I see what you have 
I can then start fitting in with the labels, with the A&Rs, and then take it from there and getting the deals together. So have you met any artists so far that has... Nope. So far. I would... I think so... Why? Because their music sucks or they haven't had it on there long enough or what? In... I think the music is not that great. People, why, are you, why are you say it with your chest? Come on, say no, it No, I, f- I, f- I don't like putting people down in terms of music. I don't do you, think so. Do you know why? Because I think there are so many people out there who are just getting into music and I don't want them to think it's a very vile, vicious place. Even if it is, it is like, it is, right? Okay. But, 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 but my mom always used to say, don't tell people what they're about to expect until they actually get in and expect it. So you keep the reality very, very short and expectations very, very wide. So okay. go go in there and see it for yourself. Right. Like, because my experience can never be the same as your experience. Of course. Or whatever people have been through, it can never be. So I can't sit here and be like, oh, you know what? Your music is rubbish. You did this and this. You're trying it out. Try it never. So try it out. Okay, so so far, all the music you've heard is not It's not strong. the best. It's not the strongest. Okay. Um, What have you... Like what? Uh, what have you has has Hitlab partnered with any people within Nigeria? So they're working with Trace Nigeria. Okay, and they're working with Boomplay. Okay, what capacities? So Trace Nigeria are, and I think there's another platform that we're basically in the middle of trying to get. So Trace Nigeria is going to show the winning the winner in Africa mm-hmm. their debut chant their debut song. Okay, and then also. Do a couple of interviews and stuff. Okay, so and first. then Boom Play is going to help with the playlisting and the back end of the music and got stuff. Got you, got you. Okay, okay. All right. So if you believe in technology, um, if you are tired of ANRs airing you, please, you know, use Hit Lab, CCPR. Click on the link. Go read about it. All that good stuff. Now we have we have two fans left, but there's a question. I got one. We're out of time. Really? We don't have time. Ah! How long have we got left? Ten minutes. <sighs> So you can just wing it. Can't we use the last 10 minutes? To do what? I have a question I want to ask. Sure. Okay, okay it only has yeah, to be the fan. Because if you go the far, you're going to take longer. Yeah, so okay. we can ask a question. So, okay, the question I actually, I, I started asking off the pod, but I'll ask it on the pod. Mm-hmm. Now, you're in Nigeria, yes. right? And yes. you're, and I believe you're not just here just for HitLab. No. <laughs> so, I want you to use the last, I want you to use five minutes. Mm-hmm. To outline, I think for me, it's like, okay, what did you come here to do? Mm-hmm. What are some of the things you've accomplished? Mm-hmm. What are some things you're still like, because you're about to leave? Like, what are some things you have to come back and finish? Yep. Um, so I am currently working with the NFF on organizing a football tournament in Nigeria, which has been around for decades, the grassroots football tournament, um, also known as Bosco Cup to bring that back and give little clubs around Nigeria the opportunities to get back into football because, as we all know, African Cup of Nations is in January and mm-hmm. the World Cup is in November. This should keep the youths as busy as possible. Right. Um, long as, as long as that's on play, I also have the opportunities to provide lights or anything around the stadiums, Tesla and Balugum, any of the stadiums that I, you know, can get my hands on to help to facilitate because the Super Eagles will be playing a few matches in the coming months on the stadium. So, yeah. so there's no lights there now? In, in There's these- lights, but there's no lights outside. It's dark. It's pitch dark. Like, it's embarrassing. I'm not saying it's embarrassing. Maybe that's what everyone's used to here, but abroad, when we go to stadiums, it is embarrassing. the whole street 
is lights. Yeah, we don't even have street lights on like exactly. The streets so the, how do you have street. a stadium with no lights outside? How? How does that make sense? Let's think about the safety first of all. It's like the day we went for the match um, in March. My phone got stolen because of the lack of security. You were in Nigeria in March. Yeah. Okay. For the match against Lesotho. Luth- yeah. My phone got stolen. At the end of the match, that whole place was pitch dark. What so time was it? The match, it was like around eight. Okay. It was pitch dark. So imagine when the players were trying to come out of the stadium. There's no lights. People are using phone torch. What would have happened to them? Think about it. That's why we can't even have like large scale events in this country because exactly. we can't even think about the security, the accommodation, all those things needed to... Which, which makes me ask you really quickly before you go to the next thing. Do you now have to, what, okay, so are you producing this, this, uh, this tournament or you're, you're gonna do the PR and press? I'm just doing the sponsorships. Okay. So putting the sponsors on the tournament. So getting people to buy into the games so that the games can actually facilitate and we can do the right things that we need to do to get the games going. So now, does that mean as you're thinking about, you know, the tournaments, I know you brought up the lights, you have to also think about like security, accommodation, transportation, like, yeah. The whole lot of it. But the good thing about it is NFF kind of have to handle that on their part. So I can only advise them. Well, can you tell them to stop stealing money if they are? Did I put you on the spot? My bad. No, you put it on the spot at all. <laughs> no, don't worry. Next thing, next thing, next thing, next thing, next thing, next thing. Well, what's the next thing? What's the next thing you gotta do, baby? Um <laughs> or you came here to do? Just distributing some music, some albums. Okay. You know, working with a couple of labels as well. Um Pitching some ideas to a few of my other clients in okay. the Europe. Um, let me actually look at my list. There's a long list. There's a long list of things. Girl, you show me that list. I'm um, also saying. trying to get um, an African tour for Lord Dirk. Because when we looked at his Instagram, Africa is on the map. Africa is streaming. So Was it after King Von's passing that there was a search or before that? No, it was before that actually. Okay. He started doing numbers in Africa. So. Do you know some of the key countries? Nigeria was one of them. Ghana was one of them. Gambia was one of them. Where would Lil Durk even performing? Like, I'm not like a huge ass Lil Durk fan. But I think after today, I started seeing like some of his music. That's, that's the power of her influence. Look at that. He started what? Oh, I'm not like a huge... like. He's like, not a huge Durk fan like, of I Durk. Know, I know him. Like I like his style. Yeah. But I'm not like music. I'm also crazy about it. But yeah. I think from like today, maybe I'll start listening. To you've influenced to go. You've influenced him to go and listen to Lil Durk. Yeah, I think that that was one of the things that his manager even said. Like I think ever since he started working with me, they saw the difference in everything, and even his Instagram numbers just spiked. The moment I said, "Listen, you are the voice." I just gotta do whatever. That's great. So you're the one that came, like, said, it's call yourself this. Literally on his bio. It's on his bio. But I've still got the email, like the whole branding strategy that I sent the first of January. I was like, you right. so like in awe. Just are you tell? I'm, I'm like, like I'm your fist. I'm just like, like, I was like, as soon as I said, it, I was like, <laughs> the the branding strategy for this man on the first of January that I sent. I was like, the dark is the voice. There you go. I'm holding a blown first of January. I'm holding a blown phone. <laughs> Let me read. First this. of January, said it. Okay, this is real. Oh, I'm seeing numbers. Oh, voice. look at I that money. You. Look at that. Look. <laughs> she called this money little one. Hell. <laughs> anyway, okay. Please don't. Um, I'm pushing. Um, my 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 ministry, my my musical ministry. I'm very. I'm really. I'm really trying to bring um awareness of drill 
uh, especially like African drill in uh, you know, in my little neck of the woods. Please, if you have anything else to do, Afro drill, call my name. Definitely. I'm there. Just for the way your friend called your name for Roddy Rich. Since you call my name for um drillo, please, I beg. Nah, definitely. I feel. I think one thing I want to teach people about drill music is you have to be able to grow. You cannot do drill and still look the same and still be around the same people. Okay, I'm gonna ask this question. Ayo, I beg, forgive me, please. We said this off the pod. Mm-hmm. I was telling, so I, you know, you told me about um, you want your interest in drill, bring like you know, globalizing drill and Afro drill as well. And I, you know, asked the question that a lot of people ask. I think it's a basic question, but I think it's valid about um, the violence in drill. Like, mm-hmm. what's why should this uh, genre of music be glorified and be grown when it's basically when it's so violent? And you talked about how. For a lot of drill artists, right, that how drill started, it's that they were using drill as a channel to express emotion or feeling or what they want to do. Not what they do, yep. what they desire to do. So mm-hmm. I don't want to kill you. Uh, maybe I feel like it, but I yep. can't. So let me just let me just rap about it over a mm-hmm. fire beat and, you know, you know, before you feel def- better about it. Right. So this is the thing. If you didn't tell me this, I wouldn't, you know, be privy to something like that. Um, I mean, I have my own critiques and my own, you know, understanding and 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 research I've done. But like, when you say when you when you talk about artists, you know, not wanting to live out a certain life, so they like portray it in their music as like a different as a different persona, mm-hmm. a separate of maybe their real life. And then, real life, real life's you, and you see people getting killed. Mm-hmm. It, it it begs the question, like, okay, so why even bother <laughs> continuing uh, to to do a drill that that embodies that this is violence. It's not we we may or may not be violent in real life, but we're we're expressing this violence in our music. Why think, continue doing that if it's gonna cause consistent death the way it's causing death? I think one thing people are gonna actually learn about drill music is if you literally take the words seriously, you're gonna run mad. That's the honest truth about it. But there's a lot of people that take lyrics seriously. Like they're really exactly. into lyrics but then, and songwriting. But then, here's the, but then here's the thing about drill music, right? Mm-hmm. Drill music is not there for you to actually like listen to the words and try to do the actions. No. It's listen to the words and free your mind of such toxic thoughts that you have. Is that not contradictory? Like I'm hearing people kill, kill this, this, okay, running drills, so running this. Okay, let me explain it. Let me explain something to you, right? Mm-hmm. If we look at Pop Smoke, right? The drill. Yeah. Did you hear Pop Smoke says, "I'm a shoot you"? Hardly. Thank hardly, you. Hardly. Because what he it was did, there, but it wasn't exactly. It was there, but he tried to tell people that it's not every time that someone comes and fight you, you got to fight back. Be be amusing make it into a joke it's like my therapist tells me if someone pisses you off just picture them naked and it calms you down and it literally does <laughs> it's the truth and that's what he's trying to do like that's right. literally what he was trying to get people to do like if someone if if an op is singing your name somewhere else and telling them going to shoot you and you hear about it come back and laugh at laugh at it because at the end of the day that person is never brave to come say it to your face but Pop Smoke is dead exactly but why though because someone generally didn't like the way he was going about it. Because he was literally telling people, I'm not going to use violence as my answer. I'm going to use music as my answer to everything. So you want me? I'm going to put it in my music that I'm not going to do nothing. Absolutely nothing. 
if you want to, if you had to re, uh, this is my final question. Then we'll do mm-hmm. the song. Final question, I promise. Then the song that we're done. If you had to rebrand drill, what are three things you do? I would change the wordings a lot. Okay. I would tell artists to stop singing about the past mm-hmm. and look more to the future. And I would definitely, definitely get them to try their hardest, even though it's hard, but try to make it as comedic as possible because it's a very, very heavy sound. Mm-hmm. So the more serious it is, the more influential it becomes and very contagious. But you can, t- you can change that around into a viral moment very easily with dunk steps. And there's even one right now that in Nigeria, he's actually coming up. So when you guys hear it, you would understand Ooh. that um, twist. So his name's actually called The Twist. Okay. So when you hear it, you would realize that, yes, drill has that power of being very comedic and very influential and going further than just violence. It can actually be about something other than violence. There's loads of things to, to drill. I want to ask one more question, but I can't. Okay, so <laughs> what we do every pod, I ask a guest to put us onto a song that they want listeners to um, discover. So play after, like, as this part ends, the song's going to play. Mm-hmm. I would like you to pick a song. The only thing, the person cannot be signed. I don't want copyright claim on my song, on my podcast. Ooh. So you need to find an indie artist who's still on their masters, Ooh. who's still got their publishing. Ooh. And, you know, that's hard. It is hard, especially for someone like you that yeah. just wants to blown people. I don't know. You, you, you ain't discovered like one, like one. Honestly, art. honestly, I really haven't. You know what? Fine. I'll take, I'll take, I'll take you your, take, I'll yeah. take your spot. Um, guys, I want you to listen to a artist named Mizzle. He just dropped a song called Smile For You with Oxlade. Um, the song came about because he did a TikTok series called How To Sound Like, you know, I've How To heard, Make A So So Song. Yeah. So he, his first ever TikTok was for Oxlade. Uh, he said How To Make An Oxlade Song. Um, in like one month, that single um, TikTok, I, th- I think it had like million between a million and two million impressions. Wow. And uh, fans got Oxlade to, or convinced Oxlade to like make the thing into a full song. song. So the song is out. So nice. David, do your stuff. Play that song at the end of the pod. Cynthia, you're the best. Thank you. I'm going to let you go be blown, do some blown things. <laughs> Hopefully, next time you come tonight, you call my number. Please I call will. my name in you're all those spaces. You're on speed down. Please, babes. You are on speed down. Um, Thank you so much. And we are out. I'm not fit to leave you Pick up, please, your darling You are I don't feel way to smile for ya I go to wait for ya, yeah I go to smile for ya Whenever you need me, I'll be there for you Be there for you I'm going to wait for you
girl after you are retired Baby girl after you are resigned Oh, Jami Naya, it burn like fire It takes you to do me, no Jami Naya Baby girl after you are resigned Baby after you get a resigned Yeah, my girl, I'm a little 